Welcome to Jaipur Bites. I'm your host, Lakshdatta. This episode is a live session from the Jaipur Lit Fest 2022, and it's called A Place in My Heart. Anupama Chopra in conversation with Shunali Khullar Shroff. Welcome. Hello, Anu. Hi, Shanali. It's lovely to see you here at JLF. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Congratulations on your new book. Thank you. Yet another book. I don't know how you find the time between watching so much cinema. That's actually my opening question. You watch it for a living. You watch it day in and day out, and you've been doing this since 25 years. How do you go through it every single day? Is there no cinema fatigue ever? You know, um, I love the movies. So honestly, it's a privilege to have a job that makes you watch movies. Uh, is there cinema fatigue? Yes, sometimes there is. Because, you know, it, 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 people think being a film critic is this constantly enjoyable job, which it's not, because let me tell you, there's a lot of bad movies out there, <laughs> okay? Uh, and I have seen more than my fair share. And, and there have been nights where, you know, you've gone to a press show and it started late, and then, you know, at like 11.30 at night, you're coming home, you haven't had dinner. It was a terrible film. And, you know, I've had this existential crisis, like, you know, this is it. My life is just going to go like this, watching bad movies. Uh, but then somehow, somehow, like the next day, you have the energy. And I'll tell you what's happened, specifically in the last two years, is this sort of opening up of my horizons. So it's not just Hindi cinema, but it's also Malayalam cinema and Tamil cinema and Telugu cinema, thanks to Bahubali, thanks to streaming platforms. So I just, I'm like right now, like a kid in a candy store. I can't get enough. So for those of you who don't know, Anupama's new book, A Place in My Heart, has a selection of 51 things, stroke people, stroke movies, uh, that, have, that have a place in her heart. Clearly her heart's a very large place because there are 51 people in there, things in there already. And I don't know who all she's offended by leaving them out. I'm certain she's made some enemies. Uh, how did you shortlist the 51, the lucky 51? You know, truthfully, uh, the heart is so big that I could write a sequel and do a place in my heart two and three and four because you know, the films you love, uh, there's not a finite sort of number to it. You know, you, and, and it's also about who you are and where you are at a certain place in time. And, uh, you know, I, I go back to films that I didn't really love 10 years ago, and I find that I'm responding to them differently. So it's a, it's a very um, dynamic art form, and it constantly evolves. Even though the frame remains the same, it evolves because you change. Uh, so the, the, the way to shortlist was really... Uh, cinema that was a mix of very popular, very obscure. Uh, in a sense, this book is a listicle, and one of my hopes is that it will lead people to movies they hadn't considered watching earlier. So it's a mix of languages, it's a mix of north-south, a uh, mix of, you know, types of movies. But genuinely, the idea was to just find people, places, I mean, not places, but events in cinema, as well as movies that spark joy in me to steal a line from Miss Kondo. 
So, uh, starting with, uh, I'll come to your uh, art as a writer later and what it takes to review a film, but uh, I think let's start uh, with the most important person in the book, which is Mr. Bachchan, A.B. Now, uh, Amitabh Bachchan is a chapter in a book. He deserves to be. Um, he deserves to be a book, actually, also. In due course, I hope you'll write one. So he, uh, he's famously difficult uh, to interview because, you know, he's, he's got this uh, dry wit and sometimes he can make a very funnily caustic remark, which, you know, you're not sure whether it was funny or are you a little humiliated, <laughs> okay? Uh, he's a brilliant man who has the aura of brilliance and the aura of uh, being the star that he is. So that's actually a lethal combination. How has your interaction been with him? And people would like to know who is the real Mr. Bachchan. No, I can't claim I know the real Mr. Bachchan. Through your interactions. Yeah, right? you know, because he's, he is, like you said, uh, he is, Impenetrable. He is, he's also, you know, he's done this for so long, Shanali, that uh, he's such a pro. And, and I say this in that chapter on him, you know, at one point he was recounting for me how he goes through the day and at that time he had just started his blog so he would be blogging at 12 at night and then waking up at 6 a.m. to go to the gym and I was like when do you sleep and he with a completely straight face he looked at me and he said during interviews so <laughs> you know with with him it's just uh, he, he's just too seasoned an artist um, and he will tell you exactly what he wants to tell you and when you start to go on about but sir you are an icon and he says no you're saying that I don't think that at all and he'll just stop you right there so uh, he doesn't Isn't that modesty disturbing it is it is I was and, and you know at times I've been like oh come on like that almost comes out of my mouth like no you, you, you're it's joking like the Taj Mahal saying I'm not the Taj Mahal yeah, yeah. it is I'm Lal Kila it yeah. is but he will not indulge that at all he will not. He says, I'm still, a, you know, when I go to a set, I'm still nervous. I, and I guess that's what keeps him going and going, is, is that energy of being a student yeah. after you've done it for 50 years. Do you want to talk a, a little bit about his uh, sense of timing and discipline and his... Uh, yeah. he, he was on time before the entire film industry was on time. You know, now everybody's on time, mostly, mostly. Uh, uh, but he was the man who was always punctual, he has such a sense of discipline. Um, with, with me, his, his pet peeve is that my Hindi is not good enough. Uh, and I'm from UP, so I have no excuse. Uh, so, you know, I, and I say this in my chapter on him, that he actually sort of shouted at me on Twitter once, saying, ki, uh, you know, I had put on my New Year's resolutions. He was like, acha, aur Hindi bolne ka resolution kaha hai? And, you know, he has, I don't know how many millions of followers. And I was like, oh my God. So. Uh, He's wonderfully funny, uh, extremely disciplined, and from what I hear, you know, uh, I mean, he's made, he's made a film with my husband, and really like a student, which is remarkable. Which is why he is who he is, and continues to be relevant in every, everything that he every does. Every generation. Every generation. Yeah. Speaking of generations, Shole, uh, that's the first chapter in your book, actually. Uh, it is a film that defines Indian cinema. It's been a landmark film, but it is set in those badlands and it is set at a time that uh, over the past couple decades uh, are sort of almost unrelatable because it's a Western and, uh, you know, the newest cinema. It's, I mean, I don't think of Shole as amazing and fabulous as the movie is. I'm not taking away from that. Uh, 
I'm not really sure it's a classic in that sense. So my question to you is, has Shole aged well in your opinion? You know, for me it has. And again, Shunar, it's such a personal response, right? Uh, so Shole is one of my earliest movie memories. Uh, I remember being afraid of that background um, score when Gabbar walks into frame. Uh, you know, that, I, I remember that so clearly, and I, I don't remember where I saw it or how old I was, but I remember being afraid of that sound. Uh, and it just embedded itself into me, and even now when I see it, sure, some things haven't aged that well, but because it was so timeless, you know, because Jay and Viru are wearing denims, uh, and the Western in a sense, is timeless because the landscape is timeless. You know, there's those rugged rocks which could be now or 35 years ago. Uh, I think it has, and Gabbar is still as scary. It, he really is. No, he is, but yeah. in the sense that, I mean, you don't really have Gabbar's uh, walking around in our lives now. The, the, the villain has really transformed and changed, and there was a lovely talk about that that uh, Balaji Vittal had given the other day. So in that sense, and there is no Thakur and Thakurai and that sort of a thing going on. And uh, so maybe we are looking at it from a different lens. Of course. But uh, for instance, do your kids like Shole? Do their friends enjoy Shole? Does this generation? Which is why it's in my book, because they don't, right? So, so I, I just feel like uh, you have Way to, to know Shole. Shole. <laughs> you have to <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I work with, I, at Film Companion, which is the platform I edit, like some of the people who work with me are really, really young and that's fantastic. But sometimes they say to me their film History begins with K3G, and I just go into a shock. <laughs> but K3G also finds a place in your book. I love it. I love K3G. But like, you have to know Shole. That, that's true. So now since you've mentioned, brought up K3G, uh, there's a lovely quote by Yash Chopra in your book, uh, where he says that, you know, it's not a crime to be rich, okay? And uh, maybe you can articulate it the way he would have. Uh, you know, you? he... No, can you say it like he yeah. would have? <laughs> No, no, I would, so Yashji was a lover of uh, beautiful things and beautiful people and sort of noble emotions. So, you know, especially in his later movies, of course not when he was making Diwar and, uh, you know, those films, those were, those were gritty films which were, which were tough uh, in, in terms of the emotion. Uh, but I think the later ones, you know, Dil To Pagal Hai and, and of course Lamhe and, you know, all these just gorgeous people in gorgeous locations, you know, just grappling with matters of the heart. Uh, and he, he said, uh, he said to Rachel Dwyer, who wrote his, his biography, that um, it isn't a crime to be rich. And he said that, in fact, if you're talking about these kind of noble emotions, it's almost better if, if the character's... Daily existence isn't a struggle. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you're just struggling to put food on the table, love, you know, will, yeah. Or be gum hai zamane mein type. But then that's exactly what uh, critics accuse um, uh, Zoya Akhtar and Karan Johar for, for making people really rich and giving them no real problems, except that people don't know that rich people have their own sort of problems, right? Uh, so in, from your point of view, uh, do, you, uh, do you yourself also endorse Yashi's view? Listen, I have... You like K3G, so... I, I think K3G is just deliciously fun. And I love... Thank you. <laughs> and I'm against any kind of prescriptives for cinema. I don't want anyone to tell a filmmaker, please don't show rich people, or please only show this 
type of person or don't show women as being bad or don't show this or don't show because that. Because the story is a story. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's one person's vision. Um, and they should have the freedom to put that vision across in whatever way and means they think is right. So, yes, I, I like let's say Gehraiya, okay, which was an extremely polarizing film that released recently. And in my review of that film, I said it does suffer from posh people angst. Who uh, has watched Gehraiya over here? I want to interrupt and ask. Of course, everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost Who everyone. has watched but doesn't want to admit they've watched it? <laughs> okay, sorry, go on. No, so I think... In that, in that film, and I've had this conversation with Shakun Batra, the director, the, the narrative couldn't get me to care enough about these people. And because it didn't get me to care enough, I started to get a little irritated by a conversation about goat cheese versus burrata. Uh, you know, <laughs> but if I cared enough, it would be fine. So I think it just depends on if that script hooks you and if that script really involves yeah. you, then it's fine if they're rich, poor, yeah religion, caste, whatever. So I think it's, it's the same with the novels. I think people react to emotions yeah. and not always the environment. And human emotions are universal. Absolutely. Okay, so in every country, every city, humor varies, okay? Uh, people's idea of what's funny and not funny changes according to race and class. Uh, but emotions uh, are always emotions. And uh, you quote Abhijit uh, Joshi about Kabi Kabi because it was a really random script. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, he says that on screen emotions trump logic. Yeah. Is this true for cinema uh, across the world or you specifically think that's so for South Asian uh, entertainment? No, I think it's true um, for every, you know, and any sort of cinema. So this, this is a conversation I had with uh, Abhijat, who wrote uh, PK, right? Uh, and he's, he's a writer who works extensively with uh, Raju Hirani and with my husband, Vinod Chopra. Um, and I, so I had a problem with uh, one of the narrative devices in PK that the letter gets left and she doesn't see it. And I was like, come on, this is so ridiculous. How could you do that? And he said to me, but if the emotion is sweeping enough, uh, the audience doesn't care. And they didn't. You know, that's true. they did the excellent film. I yeah, love Pika. Yeah. yeah, and so so it's only curmudgeons like me who was sitting there. Like, why didn't he see it? That's because of your northwestern degree. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, there's a bench that Karan Johar has a penchant for featuring. Uh, you know, because full of these very interesting anecdotes. Uh, what is this bench thing? So so in many of his movies you'll have his, his uh, characters, mostly his protagonists, uh, sitting on benches uh, and having this conversation. It was uh, there in K3G, you yeah. know, uh, Shah Rukh and Ritika sitting there. Uh, I've seen, it, it was also in the... Kabi Alvidan, thank you. Kabi Alvidan, Kehna. Rani and Shah Rukh, I want to say. And so I asked him, why? And he said it's actually a conversation he's had with his counselor uh, about why there is a bench, and, and the, 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 the sort of hypothesis was that perhaps it's from childhood when he was in school and not really accepted, and he spent a lot of his recess time sitting on a bench by himself. Bullied. Bullied left out, yeah. In a, yeah, left out. Maybe that's what's kind of replaying through his films. But it's fascinating to me that this trope, like in the films of Sanjay Leela Bansali, there's the long pallu, you know, always, always. You remember the, the, the run 
in Devdas, that's right. You know, yeah. uh, or, or in in many of the other films, including uh, Hamdil Dechu Ke Sanam. There's this thing, and and when he was he was choreographing the songs in 1942. If you go back to Pyar Kia, Pyar Hua Chupke Se, there's an orange floating dupatta. So it's a motif that he keeps repeating. Well spotted, though, because till you till I read that, I hadn't realized. Um, so now I want to talk about, since we are talking about Karan Johar, look, uh, he speaks to a certain generation. He's fun, he's Gucci personified, okay? Uh, and he, he, he doesn't hold himself back from taking a punch at all sorts of things. He, he can make you laugh. But the question I want to ask you is that above and beyond all of that, has he built a legacy in your opinion? I think he has. I think he has because his uh, his movies, whatever you think about them, are part of our popular culture. Uh, those characters are part of our popular culture. And it's not just the films he's directed, but also the many, many films he's produced, um, which have really kind of um, shaped, you know, the way we talk, the way we dress. I mean, you have to remember, he was a key architect in the construction of the Raj Rahul Shahrukh persona. Um, which has really shaped popular culture for like 15 years. Uh, so yeah, absolutely, there's a legacy. Which is why he's also a chapter uh, in, her, in her book. Uh, Zoya's uh, Luck by Chance, uh, it's a beautiful film. I don't know how many of you have watched it. Uh, in my opinion, uh, and I'm really no film critic, but in my opinion, it is uh, her finest work yet. Do you agree? I would, I would. It's a, it's, it's a, it's really a gorgeous, gorgeous film, starting with the opening credits, which kind of where the camera's just moving very fluidly um, on a shoot. And you see how movies are made. The not, film in a film. Yeah, it's know, a film sense. in a film, yeah. and it's not glamorous. It's like watching the nitty gritties, you know, the, the costume, the tailor masters and the costume guys. And it's just beautiful. It's a very romantic, aching kind of ode to the movies. But uh, how do you think she got it so right? Because she was 36 when she made this film and she was the casting director before that. But there's a maturity to this uh, film of hers that is rarely seen uh, before in a debut film uh, about a subject like this, okay? It's a very complex subject because you have to create the grandeur but you have to show the struggles, you have to show personal relationships, uh, intimacy, lack of it, things falling apart. It's, very beautifully done. So after this movie, she has produced um, a couple of other films. They've all, almost all of them have done well. But if you had to slot her, or if you had to classify her work, would you say she is more contemporary or more commercial? You Where know, does she stand? I, for me, Zoya is one of the best directors working today. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> She's just, she is. She really yeah, is. She's fantastic. She's I mean, fantastic. look at look at that short that she made in Lust Stories with Bhumi. Uh, uh, you know, just like I don't know, must be 15, 20 minutes at best, and just just stunning how much she says in that very very short piece. Uh, I think uh, she's very interesting because she combines a voice of a director with commercial. Tropes. And a sensibility. And a sensibility. So there's, it's not generic cinema. It's not cinema that you could just, anyone could direct. Only she could have made Gully Boys, right? But oh, yeah. what a fantastic film. Or, or even Zindagi Na Milegi Dobara. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, but it's not, 
it also has the star power. It also has these gorgeous songs. And, and she makes them uh, carry over uh, to people, you know, who, who, are, who are there for broader-based cinema, who are there for more massy beats. And I think that's fantastic. She walks that fine line. Another person who makes it to her book, who I, we, I think almost all of us here must really, really like uh, or admire, uh, is a phenomena called Priyanka Chopra. P for phenomena and P for Priyanka Chopra. Uh, what makes Priyanka Chopra Priyanka Chopra? And what is the importance of being Priyanka Chopra, in your opinion? And this better be a longish answer. There's so much to cover here because, you know, she has, there have been so many actresses who've, you know, tried to look westward and get a gig there, but no one has not only survived uh, uh, the Western, I wouldn't say just Hollywood because she's done, uh, she's done TV as well. She's uh, come out with music videos. She is like a chameleon. She keeps herself relevant, keeps transforming, and every avatar is lapped up so easily and readily. And the other thing I'd like you to talk about is also her work ethic, because that's something else altogether, I believe. So that, that's what I think it is. It is a work ethic that is just relentless, you know. Um, and I, I first interviewed, I want to say, like in the early 2000s. Uh, it was just after Aitraz, so very much at the beginning of her career, you know. Uh, and so there's the formidable work ethic. She works like a crazy beast, no matter how successful she is, uh, which is brilliant. Uh, but there's also the risk-taking element of her, you know. So when, right way back at the beginning, she just, you know, she was, I want to say Miss World or Miss Universe? She was Miss uh, World, World? I think. World. Uh, World. World, nah, huh? So massive beauty queen comes into the movies. Like third or fourth film is Etras, where she's evil. She's this awful woman. And remember, at that time, we were not, I mean, women who wanted sex were just awful. That was yeah, it. Yeah, so, uh, right. yeah, it's true. And, 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 you know, she's trying to seduce Akshay Kumar's character. And, uh, and that seduction scene is, is, if you go back and see it on YouTube, it's, it's insane because she is the one who's like all over him. And, and at, at the nth moment, one locket with his wife, played by Kareena Kapoor, shines and he looks at it and he's like, oh my God, he remembers who he's supposed to be. It's hilarious. But at that time, at that time, this was radical. This was like unheard of and she did it. She took that risk. And, and then look at the risk involved with a top tier Bollywood actor moving to Hollywood and becoming a newcomer again. I think that sort of... Um, takes another level of being sorted about your ego that not a, not a lot of people in, Hol in Bollywood have, and, and she could do it. But what's the secret source of all sorts of audiences in India and outside of India liking her? I mean, Deepika is exquisitely beautiful too, but she didn't have that sort of luck. But I think, no, but Shunali, I think it's also making that commitment that I will be there, I will live there. See, Aishwarya didn't live there either, you know? So, so I think that that sort of thing that I'm moving and I'm going to live like eight months in Toronto or wherever it was. I, I, I went to do an interview with her in New York. Um, and she was, this was season two of Quantico. And like the entire day from I met her at like 9.30 a.m., we drove to the set together. She was there all day. After the set, um, she had changed, changed the makeup, goes to a party for some magazine where she's on the cover. 
after that, like, she's dropping me off and I'm, like, ready to just die, okay? I was like, is this day over now, please? Can we go home? No. She is going to rehearse. So Actually, that's amazing. there was a time when she was flying back and forth between India and on LA. On weekends. On weekends. And uh, we have a very dear friend in common and I asked her, how does she do it? And how did, firstly, I, my question was to do with her uh, fitness. I said, when did she find the time to work out because she looks so slim? And so she said, oh, I, I don't think she has the time to work out, but she's always working and as soon as she lands here, she goes to the set. Because she was completing a film still, which was again is very, what was the movie called? Baji Rao Mastani. Baji Rao Mastani, yeah. So, I mean, no jet lag. I mean, she's just blessed with looks that, you know, uh, don't age and, uh, you know, lack of sleep doesn't tell. Yeah. But that's some sort of work ethic that, you know, I guess you're right. She's where she's because of that. Uh, and since you talked about her character in Andaz, uh, I want to now discuss with you the evolution of the Indian heroine through the ages, starting with um, uh, Nargis in Andaz in 1949, um, where she was uh, used to uh, you know, ride a horse and she was too Western and therefore a Western uh, heroine meant a bad woman or a woman, you know, a free-spirited woman was sort of uh, classified as uh, bad. And all the evil women of the time used to smoke and Nadira and, you know, that, that generation. Uh, then came uh, you know, so then there was Purab in Paschim also with Sairabhano. Uh, the whole concept of uh, a virginal uh, heroine, you know, she had to be a virgin. She couldn't have had even like exchanged glances with a man because then she was impure. Yeah. Uh, and so then from there we moved on to a time where, uh, where the allusion to immortality, uh, which was tied in with uh, a very Western outlook, uh, transformed and then the generation of star kids came. Uh, and like Balaji was saying today that, you know, we'd seen them grow up and so it was easy to accept uh, Karina and Karishma in all sorts of khatiyas and those sort of whatever roles, uh, very eloquent, uh, eloquently done. So uh, there was that and there, of course, and in between that, sorry, I forgot, there was Zenith and Parveen, right? And then cut to today where we have Gehraya where she barely keeps her clothes on allegedly. I haven't still watched the film. So. Uh, just go over this uh, evolution of the Indian heroine from then until now with me. You know, I, I And how you see it. Uh, of course, Andaz was the first, um, as far as I know, sort of portrayal of friendship between a man and a woman. And of course, the man misunderstands it for something else. It isn't friendship for him, but it is She's for her. She's friend-zoned him. Basically. She's friend-zoned him, basically. And he's like, hey, but, but uh, you know, this was like 40-something, right? Uh, so, of course, listen, the virginal heroine was in place till DDLJ, which is 1995. Yes. You know, yeah. remember, they spent a night in a hotel room, but nobody did anything. <laughs> because I know what Hindustani That's the Raj dialogue, you know. So, so, this has only changed, I would say, literally in the last 10, 15 years. In the 90s, we were still making a big hoo-ha about um, who is and isn't uh, chaste quote-unquote, right. uh, who is and isn't like heroine-like. I remember Malaika Sharawat did a film uh, where the number of kisses yeah, caused... So 30, 18 or 32 or something. Yeah, it yeah. was like, that was it. My God, they kissed so many times. I'm like, but what's the story? Yeah. Uh, you but know, there was no story. There was no story. It was... <laughs> that was the story. <laughs> that was it. So, but, but I, I want to say that I think the success... For me, the sort of demarcation line is really... Um, Vidya Balan, 
um, and the success of the dirty picture. And of course, you've had tremendous actors before that. I mean, uh, you know, Nargis set the tone for everything with Mother India. Uh, you know, you've had uh, Nutanji and Vahida Rahman, and just generation after generation of spectacular female actors. Uh, but the portrayal of this woman, uh, I think, in modern times, in contemporary times, really changed with that, the success of that film. That film made an enormous amount of money, and everything, at least until recently in Bollywood, was run by the box office. And then after that, you get a spate of films in which you know, women are the sort of shouldering it, you know, from, from Razi to um, uh, Kangana's movies like Tanu Ed's Manu and the both of those, the other films she's done, Queen, uh, you know, more recently, Gangubai. I think the, the success of these films, the entry of a new generation of actors, uh, the entry of women in every sphere of filmmaking uh, has really created a massive change in, and we have a long way to go, yeah, but I don't think get it's too also happy. Life reflecting art. Absolutely. Uh, or, or uh, women the art are reflecting different. life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think things are changing. But yeah. uh, there's an important woman character I missed out on because you mentioned cars in your book. And uh, I mean. Kamini. Kamini. Oh, she is my all time spectacular. favorite. Spectacular. Yeah. Uh, Simi Garewal did more than just justice to that role. Uh, and Kamini not only overshadowed, as you wrote, uh, Tina Munim, the yeah. lead heroine, but also. Sir Judah, the main villain. Yeah. So, uh, what makes Kamini so memorable in your view? You know, and there, has there been another like her? Not really. Also, because that time, I mean, I can't remember the exact year of Karz's release, but it's 83, I want to say. Uh, uh, and at that time, to have a woman who is slightly older, but is sort of getting romantically involved with Monty, who's played by Rishi Kapoor, uh, who is much younger than her. Uh, she's, so you're acknowledging that this older woman can be desirable and can have desire, which is like, oh my God, like that's what an idea. That's why she's a villain. I mean, that's why she's... Of course, but she's also a villain because she killed her husband, that, that was, yeah, That's by the way, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> she just drove over him yeah. with her oops, Jeep. Oops. But she's phenomenal. I, I, I don't know how many of you have seen Cars, but you should, you should go back and see it. It's, it's wonderful. And of course, she has to die badly at the end because, like, how can a woman like that get away with it? But till she got away with it, she was fab. Now, before, I just have very little time left, and I opened the uh, panel to questions from the audience. I want to talk about this wonderfully unconventional oddity of a turban-wearing man called Daljeet Dosanjh who figures in her book, and I am so happy about that. Because, you know, he's not like your typical, these days now we all our heroes are urban men, right? They are all city slickers, and uh, there's a very funny, uh, Daljeet barely even strings an entire sentence uh, in, in English together, you know, he'll pepper it with Punjabi or whatever else. And he's a Pendu Munda, as you say, Pendu means from a village. Uh, and yet his, uh, his appeal, uh, is something, it's undeniable. Uh, young people like him and uh, middle-aged people like him. And uh, so what I wanted to ask you about him was that uh, what made you choose him? I mean, there are so many other people who've been left out and why is he there in your book? And please tell us about the Kanye West tweet. I, wa I wanted to read that out actually. I can so, open it for you in the book. <laughs> Please. So while you're describing, I'll pull that out. Uh, so, so he is, 
he's just spectacular, I think. And that success story to me is, 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 has given me great joy. So I met him, I interviewed him before Urta Punjab released. Uh, you know, I'd seen 1984, which he was very, very good in. Uh, so I kind of found him through the director of 1984. And it was funny the first time he met, like, uh, you know, my Hindi is not very good. He only speaks Punjabi. Uh, and somehow, <laughs> somehow we chatted. And I think with him, it's just, he's such an authentic voice. Right? Uh, nothing changes. He's now this global superstar selling out stadiums. Uh, Shunali, you will have to read it. You have to read it. I don't have it. Look, in middle age, there are a lot of people. So, he was just, he said, no, no, it's going to happen, ma'am. And just the enthusiasm and just the acknowledgement of who he is, where he comes from. He says, of course, I'm a pendu. What's in it? His stories about his village, Tosanj village in Punjab, where he, like how he started out singing in a Gurdwara. And this hasn't changed. He's head to toe Gucci now, but nothing changes. You know, and, you, and I'm, and what I love is the turban's still around and the turban absolutely. is what makes him still so either yeah. first hero we've ever had, who wears a turban and who, who, who has uh, yeah. women fawning and falling over him. Absolutely. You know? and, and if you go on his Instagram, you must follow him. Oh, I, I there, is, there is like these hilarious reels of him fighting with Alexa because Alexa can't understand the accent. Okay. It's fab. And he's not in the least embarrassed or, and as you sh don't, shouldn't have to be. Uh, so he's, he's an example of a truly authentic person and I love that. So I'll just read this little thing from here, uh, where Anupama writes, uh, Diljit and I didn't speak the same language, he's most comfortable in Punjabi and I in English, and yet we managed to communicate. Chatting for almost an hour about his incredible journey, the excitement at working with Kareena Kapoor in Urta Punjab, and his desperate desire to own a pair of Adidas Yeezy 350s. At one point, and this is quite telling, it's just a tweet, but it tells you so much about the person in a nutshell. At one point, he made a direct-to-camera plea to rapper-designer Kanye West, saying, Kim Kardashian ke husband, jab shoes banate ho, don't make them out of stock. Do logo ko. This is... And, and I have to tell you, I'm so not up on the fashion game that I didn't even know what he was talking about. And I'm like, Yeezys, kya bula, kya bula? And I'm trying like, to not let this show on my face. And he's like, Yeezys. Then I told Bacha, then Bacha said this, then he showed me a, a, a message. Ke, he said to Bacha, Bacha, mujhe bhi chahiye. And Bacha said, Paji, kuch hori mang lete. Kup mein de deta, but Yeezys nahi hai. And I was like, what is this conversation about? I had no idea. But even the way he took down Kangana on Twitter, it was so classy. It was so classy. That was a gentleman and that shows to you that to be urbane and to be sophisticated, you don't have to only speak English with a clipped accent. It's, it's from here, it starts from here. You know, he didn't humiliate her, insult her. He was just so funny about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jepper Bites. I'm your host, Lakshdatta. This podcast is produced by Launchora in association with Teamwork Arts. Please follow or subscribe to this show wherever you're listening to this to be notified about new episodes.